Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Third and Short Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Will. Again, without Cade, it's uh, going to be previewing the Week 11 games. Uh, we're getting to a point in the season where teams definitely have separated themselves. Uh, the, the battle lines are pretty much drawn as to who is an actual playoff contender and who is not. Uh, we will start off with a bit of news. Uh, one being that looks like Les Miles is the heavy favorite at this moment to be the uh, next Kansas football coach. He has met with the athletic director over there, and uh, apparently they both like the fit. So, I, I, you know, not that it's imminent, but it certainly looks like he's going to be the next head coach there. I'm not really a big fan of it. If I'm Kansas, it's a move that would give them a splash, um, give them some national attention, but not, I mean, Les is a little bit older. You, I think you would rather go for a, a young coach if you could get one, uh, a young up-and-comer, somebody that would like to build a career at Kansas versus uh, kind of just adding to it. I think Les would really struggle. He's a pretty good recruiter. He's, you know, a coach that's never been afraid to go out on a limb with his play calling and uh, has had lots of success, certainly. But uh, I don't know. I don't think it's a great fit for Kansas in the type of program that it is, but I'm not the one making that decision. Uh, it's not a game that I'm going to preview, but Ian Book is actually out uh, this weekend against Florida State. Luckily for Notre Dame, they do have Brandon Wimbush, who has obviously lots of starting experience. Uh, it limits Notre Dame's play calling, but I think with the – the emergence of Dexter Williams and the way Notre Dame can run the football along with their defense. Going up against a Florida State team that's really struggled, particularly up front uh, on offense. I think I think Notre Dame will be fine. They're still 16.5-point favorites despite the news. Technically, um, Book is a game-time decision, but all reports are that he will be missing the game. Just a, a little banged up. Got some internal injuries uh, after getting taking, taking a hit last week. Uh, so with that, we'll jump. Straight into our games, we'll start off Friday night, Fresno State at Boise State. Uh, it's always hard to pick against Boise State whenever they do get to play on their blue field. Uh, this is a banged-up Boise State defense, uh, and it's a bad matchup for them. They have struggled in the secondary, and Marcus McMarion is having a phenomenal year. McMarion is the quarterback for Fresno State. I think he's going to be able to exploit them uh, on the back half as long as he gets time. Uh, and I'm expecting Fresno State to to have some success offensively. On the other side, Boise State's really had to rely on Ripien offensively, uh, and he's been great. But Fresno State comes into this game uh, with the best pass defense in the conference. I think for Boise to win, they're really going to have to get after McMarion. They currently lead the conference in sacks, but they're going up against a Fresno unit that despite throwing the ball a lot with Nick Marion, has only allowed five sacks all year. I tend to lean more with the defense having more success, especially when that defense is at home. Uh, but I do, I do like Fresno State in this game. I think Fresno State uh, can 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 create some big plays early in the game, get up, and then get after ripping a little bit. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game, though. It, this this tends to be in this rivalry, but I'm going to go Fresno State winning uh, 27 to 21, and Katie's going to have Fresno State winning 30 to 27. So we've both got. Fresno State. Uh, next game, we'll talk about Ohio State at Michigan State in a noon game. This would seem on the hoof, I think, to be a solid upset spot for the Buckeyes. But Michigan State is not the best equipped team to exploit Ohio State's weaknesses, which has been a struggling run game offensively and an inability to stop big plays defensively. 
Uh, Michigan State has been one of the least explosive offenses in the Big Ten. So I really think even though they're going up against Ohio State, who's given up the most 30-yard plays uh, in the Big Ten, I think Michigan State is going to continue to struggle. Uh, Brian Lewerke came into this year for me as a a uh, kind of an outside borderline Heisman candidate. Obviously picked Michigan State to make the playoffs, which has looked horrible for me. Um, but they're getting they're getting a little bit better. But they've struggled to run the ball. They they don't have a very good offensive line. Um, defensively, they should slow down the Buckeyes' run game. They did get going last week. They finally had a game where the offense was able to win the point of attack, and the wide receiver did a good job blocking on the outside. But that was a two and seven Nebraska team. With the way Lewerke has regressed, so much is going to hinge on. Michigan State been able to slow down the run and make plays in the secondary, and they've been a little susceptible on, on the back half of the defense, and Haskins has, has had his moments of, of brilliance at quarterback. He struggled some away from home and against better opponents, but uh, I think Ohio State has enough talent around him. I think they get a win uh, in a 30-24 to 24 fashion on the road, and they cover their three-and-a-half point spread. And Kate is also going to have Ohio State win 38-35. to 35. So both picking Ohio State to win. I'm expecting them to cover. And Kate is expecting Michigan State to cover. Barely. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about South Carolina at Florida. Uh, South Carolina has shown some signs of being good offensively throughout the year, but it's been really consistent. Florida, other than the last two games, when they've kind of seen the wheels fall off, uh, they've been very good defensively and looking – for a bounce back performance, they got embarrassed by Missouri at home last week. They're at home again this week. Uh, even with the banged up secondary, I think Jake Bentley could struggle some in this game to move the ball through the air. And they have a bottom half rushing attack that I think is really in for a rough game with the how Florida's front seven has been playing. Uh, Trask is out officially from this game. He suffered a fractured foot. So, despite a little bit of a quarterback controversy coming in this week, I think Franks is looking very much like he'll be the starter again to be the main quarterback for the Gators. Uh, they may use Emory Jones a little bit in this game. But I think for the most part, you're going to see Franks. I think Florida, with that in mind, is going to be leaning on their run game. That's been solid. Uh, and the Gamecocks defense has been one of the worst in the conference. I think this is set up to be a low-scoring game. Uh, unless South Carolina gets going offensively, because I'm expecting, I'm expecting Florida to kind of struggle to put up points. But I'm going to take the Gators at home. They still have been tough to beat there. Uh, I'm going to take Florida to win 20-14. to 14. And Kate is going to take Florida to win 24-19. to 19. Next up, we'll look at Wisconsin at number 20, Penn State. Penn State being a nine-point favorite. Penn State is reeling a little bit. Uh, they got embarrassed by Michigan last week. It really exposed their offensive line that has, for the most part, been terrible at pass blocking. Spot being pretty good in the run game. Uh, Penn State's defense has got the bad matchup. They've struggled against good running attacks all year. Now they get Jonathan Taylor, one of the best offensive lines in the country, coming into their house. The good thing for Penn State, the awful thing for Wisconsin, is Alec Hornerbrook is, again, questionable with a concussion. I feel like he's not going to play, which means Jack Cohen could be uh, making his second start. If not, he didn't look great in the first one, only averaged five yards per attempt. This would be a good thing for Penn State's defense because be, it would allow them to really crowd the box, which is what they're going to need to do anyway to slow down Taylor. And you try to force Cohen to beat them 
at home uh, with it being Cohen's first road start at a wild Penn State uh, stadium. Um, and defensively, this is not a top-end Badgers defense that we're used to, and they don't get after the quarterback all that well. So that's not the best matchup. I mean, it's a good matchup against Penn State because, you know, after what they saw last week with the defense front that Michigan's got, they kind of bounced back against this front seven is a good thing. And I think that McSorley and, and Miles Sanders are going to be able to really move the ball on the ground. I think that ends up being the key. I think this is going to be a pretty low-scoring game with both game, both teams relying on the rushing attacks. But I'm going to take Penn State to win 27-20. to and Katie's going to take Penn State to win 24-17. Next up, we look at number 16, Mississippi State, at number one, Alabama. Mississippi State, led by Jeffrey Simmons, has a defensive front that has the horses to slow down Bama's run game as well as get some pressure on Tua. And this has been a spot where Saban has struggled. But in my opinion, this is Mississippi State team that's probably very overrated. I don't think they're a you know, top 20 team in the country. Uh, they're led by Nick Fitzgerald, obviously, offensively, who has not progressed as a passer as much as he should have, but he's a mobile type of quarterback that I've struggled against from time to time. But I expect Fitz in this offense to struggle against Bama. Uh, Bama's defense is really starting to round into form, you know, obviously blanking LSU at home or at LSU's place uh, last week is what I meant by that. I'm expecting this to be a, a game where Bama maybe – allows Mississippi State to keep it close with the way Mississippi State can play defense. Maybe Fitzgerald has, you know, some success early on running the football. But I think eventually the Tide lock down on defense, and I think their playmakers eventually get rolling. I think a fairly close game at halftime leads to a blowout in the second half. I'm going to take Alabama to win 38-10. to 10. I do think, you know, that unlike LSU, the Mississippi State will get on the board, but I think it's going to be late. Uh, and Katie's going to pick Bama to win 41-14, to 14, so no surprises. We both have uh, Bama covering a 24-point spread. And next up, we're going to go Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma State has, been, has really, really struggled on the road this year. They've lost two of their three games. Uh, they beat Kansas, but it got blown out by Kansas State and then are coming off a loss to Baylor. The offense has been solid on paper, but it's been inconsistent when they have played some better teams. It hasn't been the unit that we're used to uh, out of Stillwater. Luckily for them, Oklahoma's defense is not very good, so I think Taylor Cornelius and Tyler Wallace should be able to hook up some in the passing game, should be able to score, put some points on the board. But I really don't think their offense is going to be any match for Kyler Murray in this offense. Uh, Oklahoma's second nationally in 30-plus 30 30 30 yard plays. And I think they'll continue to have success because the Oklahoma State defense has given up almost 30 points per game, 29.9. They struggle particularly to stop the pass, so I think Murray puts up a gigantic game uh, and kind of continues to inch his way closer to Tua, who is the overwhelming favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, and I think Hollywood Brown and CeeDee Lamb both have very good games. Uh, they've both kind of been one or the other, but I think they both have big games here. And I'm going to take Oklahoma to win. I'll go 51 to 30. I do think Oklahoma State puts up some points in this one. And Cade is going to take Oklahoma 49 to 21. So I've not had a difference yet. Uh, we'll move on to Washington State, number 18 in the college football rankings. At Colorado, the uh, 
Colorado wrote a really light schedule early on, with the exception of playing Arizona State, but they got Arizona State at home to go 5-0 and and ended up being ranked. Since then, they have lost four in a row, uh, including a shocking loss to perennial conference doormat Oregon State after being up 31-3 early in the third quarter. Colorado has struggled against the pass defensively, obviously making this not a great matchup against Minstrew, who's a, a borderline Heisman candidate in the Cougars attack that's as pass-heavy as any college football. Defensively, Washington State has been very strong, though Colorado does have a strong enough passing game, I think, to, to move the football some here, especially at home. Steven Montez has a big arm. I, from what I've seen, he's, he's really improved. His overall game is a junior. And he gets to throw to one of the best wide receivers in the country in LaVisca Chenault. Um, been extremely productive. So I think that the Buffaloes can keep it close with the way their offense is and the fact that they're at home. Washington State has had a lot of good things happen to them in close games. Uh, my feelings are that there's potential here for that magic to run out. Uh, you know, anytime you get a chance to go on the road in, in a, an environment that's a little bit different in altitude, uh, Washington State just has been so good. And Colorado, I think, is just, I don't even know if they're as good as their 5-4 and four record is. Most any other team in the Pac-12, if they got this shot at Washington State after the way they won last week at Cal, I think I would really like them. And I, and I think I would pick against the Cougars to get their second loss. But instead, they're going to a Colorado team that is struggling. And I, th- I think it's going to be in too much. I'm going to take Washington State to win 34-24 to and cover the six-point spread. And Kate is going to take Washington State to also cover 35-28. to so we're both picking Washington State. Next up, we're going to go Kentucky at Tennessee. Uh, I definitely think the Wildcats have played a bit above their heads in regards to their total team talent. Uh, they're obviously very strong on defense. Josh Allen is a first-round draft pick. More than likely, they got some size in the secondary. Uh, got a good middle linebacker in Cash Daniels. They're really strong up front. But all, on offense, they have a quarterback that's just decent, even though he's kind of emerging here late in the year. You obviously got Benny Snell, one of the country's best running backs, but there's not a lot else. It's still not a great offensive line. It's physical, but not a great one. Uh, but with all that said, they were able to go into the Georgia game last week with a chance to win the division. That obviously did not happen for them. Uh, Kentucky has only beaten Tennessee twice since 1985, and they hadn't beaten them in Knoxville since 84. Uh, Pruitt has the balls heading in the right direction on the recruiting trail. Uh, they've only had one Power 5 win this whole year, and it was a big upset at Auburn, one of the shocking games of the year, uh, kind of showing how far Auburn has fallen from their big success last year. Tennessee has been close in a few other games, haven't been able to quite put everything together. Uh, Snell and Wilson ha- should have more room to run in this game against Tennessee than against Georgia. And again, like I said, Wilson is making some, taking some strides as a passer as the year winds down. Uh, Kentucky has not scored more than 17 points since September. It's a four-game streak. Tennessee isn't great on defense, but I think the rate that Kentucky scores could be enough to keep the balls in the game, especially with it being at Tennessee. And this has a bit of a feeling of a letdown spot for the Wildcats after the way they got beat last week at home and one of the biggest games they've had there in decades, if not the biggest one they've ever had. There's part of me that wants to pick Tennessee. Uh, It seems like Pruitt is kind of due for a win here in his first year. Uh, 
they have so rarely lost this game, you know, ever, even in some of the years where Kentucky has been the slightly better football team, kind of in the same way Kentucky struggled to beat Florida despite being probably a better team than them for stretches uh, the last couple of years. But I'm going to go with Kentucky to get their first back-to-back wins over Tennessee since 76 and 77 over uh, 40 years. But uh, I'm going to take Kentucky to win 20-13. to 13. I think it's a pretty ugly game. Uh, again, I think they've struggled to score. I think Tennessee struggles to score. But I'm going to take Kentucky to win and cover the five-point spread. Katie's going to pick a higher score in the fair. He's going to take Kentucky to win 30-24. to 24. So we're both picking Kentucky to uh, get a big victory for them, to get to get them back on track. And uh, next up, we're going to go Oregon at Utah, with Utah being a three-point favorite. Neither team being ranked, but uh, there's no Tyler Huntley for Utah, and there's no Zach Moss for Utah. So in one week, they have lost their running back and quarterback, both for the season. Jason Shelley is uh, going to be the starting quarterback for Utah in this game. He's attempted 14 passes, throwing zero touchdowns and one interception in his career, being just a freshman. Uh, luckily for Shelley, he gets the Ducks at home. Uh, Oregon is not great defensively, and they're coming off uh, of losses in their last two road games by a combined score of 78-35. to um, Herbert's been sensational at home for Oregon, uh, just solid on the road. Doesn't turn the ball over much regardless of where he plays. But he's going to definitely have to carry this team here against the Utah defense at second in yardage. Allowed in the conference. Been equally great against the run as the pass. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has exploded for Oregon. He'll definitely look to be the big key playmaker that Herbert will look forward to. Uh, Oregon is not running the ball as well as they have in the past. I do like, it's unfortunate for Utah again, but I, I like that Oregon is going to get this situation. If you have to go to Utah, you're at least getting the, you know, in a situation where they don't have their quarterback, don't have their running back, and they're coming off of a pretty embarrassing loss last week themselves. I think this has the making of a low-scoring game, at least personally with the way Utah plays defense, especially the way they play defense at home. And I think that just the lack of known of a known commodity at quarterback for Utah, I think Oregon can take advantage of that, create some blitz packages, give him some looks he haven't seen. And I think that I'm going to go with the team with what I'm more comfortable saying is the better quarterback. I'm going to go with Oregon. You get a win on the road. 24-17 uh, is what I'm going to go with. Uh, and Kate is going to pick Utah to win the high-scoring affair 38-35. to I was actually a little surprised that Utah was still the favorite, all things considered, losing the quarterback. But Utah defense is, is rock solid. Um, and they are definitely looking to rebound. I, just, I, I, think, I think Herbert does just enough to get the job done here. Next up, we're going to talk about Texas, number 19, Texas, as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at Texas Tech. Texas has seen their season slip away a bit the last few weeks. They are coming off of two pretty heartbreaking losses. They had the big comeback effort at Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago fall short. Last week, they had the lead with 16 seconds left when West Virginia threw a, uh, Greer threw a touchdown pass to Jennings. And then went for the two-point conversion to get a 42-41 win. So this is this is a big game for a team that a couple weeks ago looked like it was a potential playoff team. It's now has lost two games in a row. So now if, if you're Tom Herman, you want to see how your team reacts. Luckily for Texas, 
They have a guy, Sam Ellinger, quarterback, that I believe is a star. He's the focal point of the offense. Um, very tough kid. Does not seem like the kind of guy that would, you know, let the team get too down and really let the season get away from them. They still have a lot to play for. You got a chance at, you know, a 9-3 and three finish to the season. Gives you a good chance at a pretty solid bowl, and then you can build towards next year looking like a top-10 potential team. Uh Sam Ellinger has two main wide receiver targets in Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson, both of them at least 6'4". And both make big plays downfield, and that's a good thing for Ellinger in this offense. They're going up against the Texas Tech defense that allowed not only the most 30-plus yard plays in the conference, but they have the worst pass defense in the conference. Uh, Texas Tech has improved a little bit in the front seven at uh, stopping the runs, but has really struggled with the big play on the back end of the secondary. Uh, when Texas Tech has the ball... I've really thought Texas had a better secondary uh, than what they have shown. They've come crashing down. Now they're near the bottom of the league in pass yardage allowed. But there is some unfortunate circumstances surrounding Texas Tech's offense. Um, Allen Bowman has been hospitalized for the second time this season after collapsed lung. And very, very doubtful to me that he plays. It's more important, I think, for both the school and for Bowman to Make sure that he is truly healthy from this situation. So with that said, they're now going to turn the ball over. It looks like to sophomore Jeff Duffy. Uh, he is expected to start this weekend. So far, he's produced four touchdowns, four interceptions on the season. But it is a an offensive scheme that has tended to work and produce points and produce yards pretty much no matter who the quarterback is. There's obviously been guys that have run the offense better than others. Uh... But it's one that should still produce. It should still allow Texas Tech to put points on the board, keep Texas off the field, and should allow what I think to be a shootout to kind of still lean that way. Uh, Texas Tech, Lubbock is, is a tough place to play at on the road. Coming off back-to-back losses, if there's any letdown at all from Texas, if they come in down at all, lets Texas Tech get ahead of them and get into any kind of rhythm with that young quarterback, it could lead to a bad situation, lead to them having to be in a similar situation they were at Oklahoma State where you're having you know, a multiple touchdown lead you're having to come back from. But I don't think Texas quite lets it get to that point. I'm expecting lots of scoring from both sides with the way both defenses are built. Uh, but I'm going to go Texas to win this one by a score of 45-38. to 38. I'll go 45-38. Have them cover the spread, and Kate is going to take Texas to also win and cover the low spread. 42 to 38. So, both picking Texas, both looking for them to uh, to bounce back nicely. And one of our last two games we'll talk about. Uh, Clemson, number two Clemson. Traveling to number 17, Boston College. Whew. Clemson possesses the country's best defense on a yards per carry basis nationally by over two-tenths of a yard. Going up against a Boston College team that had a strong start from Anthony Brown, their sophomore quarterback. It came crashing back down to earth and then is kind of settled in now as a very solid quarterback, which is basically what it was last year. Nothing spectacular, not one that's going to carry the offense to extreme heights, but also not going to cripple them in most situations. This offense is still relying heavily on the great A.J. Dillon. Uh, a blue-chip recruit, went to Boston College, had a tremendous 1,500-yard, 14-touchdown freshman year. And despite being injured for much of this season, uh, including missing a couple of the games, has been banged up in most every most of the rest of them, 
He's actually slightly outplaying the pace that he had last year. Um, Boston College has been very good defensively on a paper on a per play basis, uh, but no one they played, and no one in the conference is close to the juggernaut the Tigers are currently putting out there every weekend. Lawrence obviously got hurt in the Syracuse win. Chase Bryce led the comeback. Since Lawrence came back that next week, Clemson is averaging 600, almost 600 yards per game and exactly 60 points per game offensively. Um, this has the, sh- the shapings of a game where Boston College is going to get ran over. But this is going to be the biggest game at home probably in a decade since Matt Ryan was there. They're going to have to hope they almost get the ball first, can pile up a you know, 10 to 12 play drive where A.J. Dillon gets the ball seven to eight times, play action a little bit off of him and try to keep some clock off because if, if they get shut out early and Clemson scores, this game is going to get ugly. Um, and I really think the Boston College is going to struggle running up against Clemson's front four. Uh, and with the way that Anthony Brown has kind of regressed after it looked like he supremely progressed uh, early in the year, I really think they struggle to move the ball. And with the way Clemson is currently moving it offensively, I mean, if, if Boston College holds them to 20 points less than their last four opponents has, they're still scoring 40 points. Do we really think Boston College can score at that kind of rate with Clemson? I personally do not, and I think that's the biggest difference. I, I just think Boston College has a solid defense. I mean, they're built around getting after the quarterback. Zach Allen is a guy that's probably going to go in the first round. Uh, they tackle well, play well in the secondary. I mean, they're, they're really good against the run. Uh, it's a good overall defense. It's a team that is like a northeast Weak version of LSU, I guess. They like to really run the football with one guy, play really good defense, have a quarterback that doesn't turn the ball over, and tries to beat you by being more physical than you. I think they're going to struggle being more physical than this Clemson team that is probably, honestly, more physical than it even was when Deshaun Watson was there. This is a Clemson team that runs the football better than they did when Deshaun Watson was there. They obviously have the best defensive front they've ever had. Uh, They don't have quite the quarterback play, obviously. As much as I like Lawrence, he's no Deshaun Watson. But they relied so much at being better than teams up front that I think that continues this week. I think Clemson takes care of business. I, I think Boston College slows them down, but I just I, I don't see them moving the ball and scoring very often. I'm going to take Clemson to win this one 38-10 and cover the 20-point spread. And Cade is going to pick Clemson to win 41-20. So he thinks Boston College moves the ball a little bit more than I do, but generally has the same thoughts. So both take Clemson to win and continue to roll. And last up, we're going to talk about Auburn, number 24, in the college football playoff rankings. At number five, Georgia. Georgia's a 14-point favorite. That seems a little bit big to me on the hoof, just initially looking at it. Um, Auburn has struggled this year, but Georgia's coming off two very important, very big, very you know, pretty much dominant wins uh, against two SEC East rivals in Florida and Kentucky, including clinching the SEC East last year. They know in a couple weeks they get going to play Bama. There's always, even though that's three or four weeks away, there's still the look ahead type of feeling here. The good news is that 
Auburn's coming off of a win. It's going to be a night game in Athens. And this is still the Auburn team that embarrassed you at their place last year. And now you're getting them at home. What I think Auburn should do is take a look at what worked for them against Texas A&M last year. Down two scores. They went straight hurry up. Full two-minute drill with Stidham. He got into a rhythm and moved the ball effortlessly against a pretty good Aggies defense. Uh, that's what I think they need to try and do against Georgia. Try to just start off immediately in the hurry up. No huddling. See if you can get into a rhythm early because they've struggled to run it with any consistency. And you rely so much on Stidham to create long-developing pass plays with an offensive line that so far is not been great. They replaced so much of their guys last year. It just has not been a good offense around him. So instead, why not try to hit quick screens, hit the quick passing game, little RPO stuff, do it quick and in a hurry, don't allow Georgia to, you know, sub out as much as they want to. Because Auburn has not been explosive, and they're going up against Georgia team that's done a great job of keeping plays in front of them. They're one of the top two or three units in, in the conference at allowing 30-plus yard plays. Uh, so they're going to have to find a way to be great on third down against a Georgia team that has been great on third downs defensively for all those struggles that we've had. Uh, Stidham is still relying heavily on Ryan Davis as his possession short yardage option. He's averaging, again, after he did so last year, less than 10 yards per catch. Does have Darius Slayton back as the team's biggest playmaker in total offensively. He's got two freshmen out wide and Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz who are both averaging over 20 yards per catch. Uh, Williams in particular, I think, being one of the Faster players in the country coming out of high school uh, as a big track star. On the other side, where Georgia has the ball, I think they're going to be able to find a big player too against Auburn. I think having a healthier Swift that's really finding his rhythm the last two weeks is huge with the way Holyfield has been the grinder, uh, punisher of the backfield. Auburn's strength is still that front four led by Nick Coe and Derek Brown. They have a linebacker, Deshaun Davis, that I think is destined to be an all-commerce selection if not kind of fringy All-American range. But I still think Georgia's going to find some running room in this matchup. Uh, Auburn is not as dominant uh, in, you know, in their run defense as they were last year. Teams are having a little bit more success on them, and this is the best offensive line that they face, even though we've struggled some in short yard situations. I would still say that even a banged-up Georgia is the best offensive line that they've seen. Uh, they haven't played Alabama yet, so that always helps. Uh, this is an Auburn defense that's only given up one 30-point game all year, and that was that upset loss to Tennessee at their own place. Uh, so the defense is good enough, certainly, to keep them in the game. Right, let's, you know, I, I think anybody thinking it's going to be a huge score in like a 45-50 point game for, for, for Georgia, I think would be getting a little bit ahead of themselves. It obviously could happen if we forced it them, you know, to a couple of turnovers, but I think this is going to be more of a grinded-out win. Uh, I'm thinking a lot more along the lines of the South Carolina game from last year where we ran the ball a whole lot, play action a couple times to beat them over the top. But for the most part, you hand it off and you tried to just get out of dodge healthy and with the win. And with the, how banged up we're getting on the offensive line, I think Kirby Smart would definitely take that. I think he would take a dominant upfront effort, both offensively and defensively, get you a nice win at home against another ranked team, continue to pad in that resume. Uh... In Auburn's last three trips to Athens, they've scored exactly seven points. This has been a place where Auburn's offense has gone to die, and those have been better offenses 
in parts than what this one has been for sure. Uh, I'm gonna take Georgia to win, thinking somewhere in like the 27 to 13 range. I think the 14 point spread is pretty close to where it needs to be. Uh, Kate is going to take Georgia 38 to 20. I just I think we kind of struggle to consistently score against them uh, and consistently move the ball. Obviously, I'm hoping that that we see – I'm hoping to see the return of Cleveland to the lineup. Uh, he's still getting some snaps with the second team that hasn't played a whole lot. We've just been so banged up up front. We need we need a return to a – we've been better, we, and we've done a better job at play calling, at remaining physical throughout the game and continue to run right at teams. like to see us get a little bit better in the short yardage situations, obviously after what we've seen the past couple of weeks. But we're trending in the right direction, and despite Auburn winning last week, this is an Auburn program that has not trended the right direction all year. Uh, this is not the Auburn team that I thought we would be facing. I thought Auburn would struggle with a tough schedule, having to play us and Bama on the road. I thought they'd be one of the better 9-3, and 8-4 teams that you'll see on a year-to-year -year basis, but they really have not been that. They came in here with three losses already. Think they're staring down the barrel of a seven and five season, uh, so not what they wanted for sure. Uh, this this is not this is not performance that Auburn wanted uh, coming into the year. Not as worried about it as I was heading into the season, where I was still pretty confident that we were going to take care of them since we did get them at home. But uh, should be a fun time in Athens. I think Georgia comes out with a pretty comfortable victory thanks to our defense slowing down our offense and just enough playmaking on the offensive side. And with that, we are finished up with another podcast. Another week close to the end of the season before you know it. It'll be a conference championship time. Then it'll be time to talk bowls and playoffs and seeing Tua win the Heisman and probably talk about Alabama more than likely in the next championship game again. Uh, with that said, you know, it's been fun. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. Go dogs.